Hey folks, sorry about last week. This is episode 8, and a sincere apology about last week, because we weren't here last week. Well, we're always sorry about last week, but definitely more <laughs> sincere sure. about last week. I was sick. I was very sick with a really bad chest cold. Did not want to expose the chest cold germs to baby V in the studio. Mm. So we weren't able to get together in a timely manner. And then we tried to throw it together at the last minute, but work and schedules got in the way. And it just... Plus cold cuts couldn't be here. <laughs> he was he was out of it too. It so. just, it wasn't going to happen. So we've told some of you individually that texted and complained. We are going to make up for it. We're going to release... They didn't complain. They were upset. They were upset. We're going to release eight and nine all in one week. I'm thinking what we'll do is release... It's a two for one. I think it's a classic double showing. I think what we should do just... For the sake of, you know, uh, creating some, uh, uh, what do you call it, like, you know, supply and demand, we'll release eight on Tuesday, maybe we'll release nine on Thursday. Mm. So I'm thinking, like, spread it out, you know, give it a day and a half, uh, two days. I don't know. I'm thinking you just drop two bombs on them, like I did earlier on the toilet downstairs. <laughs> and just now. And it's been a long day. <laughs> At least with know. this one, I poopereed it. We can we can debate it. We haven't done uh, nine yet. This is you know we're just doing the intro now for eight. I was thinking eight on Thursday, eight on Tuesday, nine on Thursday. We could do them both on Tuesday, I suppose. I'm just saying. I don't think uh, we never release one on Thursday. Let's just give the people two. We can do that. That way they they listen. They might listen to all on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Our four hardcores might. Yeah. But even if they don't. Like, they have commutes on Wednesday, and there's not anything better on a hump day than a little uh, TPTO. That's true. Your sister could listen to one on the way to work Mm -hmm. and the other on the way home. Exactly. All right. Yeah, and on that note, I think—I don't think there's anything that we just did that's going to need editing. Well, we'll listen. (laughs) Well, we don't have a lot of time. (laughs) That was was (laughs) trouble with seven. You gave me the heads up on some things you felt like we should cut out. In fairness to me, you did come back and say you made the right deal. Cold cuts. We don't need... See... You were quiet the whole fucking episode. Give me that. And now you're Mr. Squeaker over here. the thing is, he's a dick. He's bored. (laughs) He hasn't been out today. Nobody wants to listen to you two flap your jaws. You know, play with my toy with me, please. Yeah. Well, get over it. But no. I also, mean, big thanks to Padrex. Another solid week of being a f- <laughs> not quite a. Uh, we do mention it sponsor. in the episode. We do have an unofficial beer sponsor. We do coming, which is kind of cool. Sending free beer, no less. That could. What if that's the one? What if that's the man? Yeah. yeah you know, it's, we go from fourteen to it's a fourteen hundred. It's a step towards something. You know, I was just telling you that 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 podcast my wife and her friend likes. The tickets to go see that show live are like 170 bucks a pop. We're well on our way to stardom. We'll take a buck seventy <laughs> if you want to come see us live. That's front row. Yeah, we have 20 listeners for free. How many do you think we'd have if you had to pay to download this? <laughs> banks. <laughs> It'd be banks, but my dad would be paying for it. Still a super fan, though. <laughs> Give credit where it's due. Uh, yeah, but we got uh, unofficial beer sponsor now. Um, Sal Vitro's lawn, lawn care service is on board. <laughs> Just leave them out of your personal business. Um, yeah. What was the what's the what's the car the car lot that's sponsoring us now? We have a car lot. Well, you said it earlier in the oh, kitchen. Is it cat litter? 
No, no, no. There's another one. Something Dick's. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't. Leah, think I Leah, Leah said it, which was what made you, which was what sparked it with you. Oh, oh yes, Lenny Dickwagon Ford. There you go. LD, <laughs> him and his brother. They talk. Lenny Dickwagon Ford. We don't quite know what this podcast is, but anytime we can say Lenny Dickwagon Ford on the radio, we're gonna do it. Come on down here to Lenny LD Dickwagon Ford. We got the best prices on the tab. We don't sell them goddamn hybrids though. Take that shit elsewhere. <laughs> No, no Jap cars here. Well, <laughs> everything's a Jap car these days. Even on, even here at Dick Wagon. Uh, excuse me now, it's Japanese. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you can say Jap anymore. Well, it's been derogatory from inception. <laughs> it ain't like it became derogatory overnight. Let's see, what are all the things that Clint Eastwood said in the movie Grand Touring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go down that route because no. we've done it before. No, we've never edited an intro. I don't want to start now. Yeah. You might have to take that the J out. It was a hard J uh, on this. Yeah. Anyways. No. <laughs> not now. Come on down to Lenny Dick Wagon Ford out here in Austell, Georgia. We'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> Don't sue us, Hotel Eight. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. My favorite host sponsor is, is still Pedri X Bar. X Barn Grill. Come on down on Saturdays for the Double Down Chili Dog Special. <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesdays, we got Nana's own fruit loaf. <laughs> Prepare for two days, and you're gonna need some ammonium. Traditional Irish cuisine. <laughs> what, what was it that we were saying in text the other day? Oh, you said you were you're making tacos on Tuesday, and it's hard to not want to say Taco it's, Chore Tuesday. It's become Taco Chore Tuesday. And to which I said, "That's a messy. It's a Tuesday. messy. T- <laughs> well." You don't want to. It's it's all about timing. If you want to do Taco Chore Tuesday, but you also want to serve tacos, yeah. it needs to be the preemptive Taco Chore Tuesday because you're gonna need a lobster bib, yeah, and Ooh. then some. Fuck. <laughs> we might. This might be the first edited intro. There's nothing wrong with lobster I'm, it's bib. Just yeah, I know. Uh, anyways. Enjoy! Episode 8 was fun. Uh, it, was, it was good to get back in the saddle. We covered a fair amount of Sopranos, talked about some I think personal history. Yeah. Um, covered, masturbation. Yeah, we covered masturbation. That'll be fun for the parents. But from a religious <laughs> viewpoint, though. We were searching was our it? soul. I think so. Okay. We, were, we were trying to tie our own feelings of deep-seated guilt and masturbation back to our yeah. repression. It's a good thing we weren't brought up Catholic. It would have been even worse. Well, that and we would have been diddled. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that for real happened. <laughs> All right, so the, this is episode eight. Sorry we missed you last week. Uh, enjoy the show and stay tuned for nine because I, from the sound of things, we're going to release it right after this. Hollow. W-F-U-C-K. This is the Golden Voice and the Laugh Man. <laughs> Here's episode eight. Enjoy. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, if if at some point you decide it's cool enough, I just can't. You can turn I it off. I'm sorry. I just couldn't have imagined a scenario where you'd be like, it's a little cold in here. Well, I, well, you know what it is on the ride over here. My feet got sweaty today, so I put the AC on the shoe in the car. What kind of shoes you get? Just okay. loafers, no socks. All right. So my feet are kind of cold. 
which is making the rest of me feel cold. I mean, I can raise the vein off of you if you yeah, want. Do that. This is a yeah, European style. Advanced. I'm familiar. This is what I had to keep myself cool in Plattsburgh, New York last summer. Plattsburgh? It's right up there next to Canada. Oh, that's when the, the house was 85 degrees, right? It's a warm house. My And I have, you know, in-law, in-law relatives that might eventually hear this and that were there too. The house is hot. Central air is not a priority in uh, in the Great White North. I mean, it's literally like you've got Plattsburgh, New York, and then across Lake Champlain, you've got Burlington, Vermont, and then just slightly to the left is Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, you could not be farther north. Damn dirty so, Canucks. <laughs> they have, you know, like, I don't know, four weeks of what we might call summer, and then mm. the rest of it is just blistering cold or something. So central air is not a big priority. And uh, the spot cooler units were situated throughout the house. Fortunately, we had one in our room, and I kept that thing on blast. (laughs) Everybody kept saying, hey, leave your doors open so we can let the air circulate. And I remember thinking, like, well, all that's going to do is take it from, like, 85 to 80 in the whole house. (laughs) I got to preserve my room. (laughs) Door staying shut. I'm keeping it, like, 68 in in this space. It worked out. I did occasionally um, open the door to share it, but well, if we're gonna share family experiences with the battle of air conditioning, my uh, mother-in-law, who I love very much, was here for 17 days. Oh just, wow! Yeah, just left on Sunday. I know she was here when we recorded last. I mm-hmm. did not see her though. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you why. It's part of the story. Glad you brought it up. <laughs> uh, she has what one could call zero percent body fat. Mm. So. She runs, like I mean, she's always cold. Yeah. Like whereas I'm always hot, she's always cold. Yeah. What is your percentage? Fifty-two, <laughs> maybe fifty. I don't know. Fifty-two, fifty-three percent body fat. I'm fine with it. I'm a good half. I'm a half. I'm a halfzy. I'm a halfzy on the body fat. That's fine. Yeah. It's like yeah, you know, whatever. But uh, we definitely had this back and forth battle. Of, uh, you know, if we're both in the room, you know, like who's going to who's going to win the AC battle Oh, in this room, in this room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why you didn't see her, because she she acquiesced very quickly, uh, white flagged it and just went downstairs to her own. But see, here's the funny part. These new European AC systems, you can't have hot and cold running at the same time. They still run off the same main unit. Yeah. So if one person and this is me and Leah. And we're hot because it was Georgia and it was 82, 85 degrees. Mm-hmm. We, we need to have some AC. And she would come upstairs and be like, uh, the heat's not working. And I, and I would be like, oh, I don't. Well, that's just the damnedest thing. I, <laughs> Maybe open a window because it's 85 <laughs> degrees outside. I came home. Let some of that hot air in. <laughs> I came. True. True story. I come home and she's got it. I, I walked in the house. It's 85 degrees. I'm sweating. Decent day at work. Been out running around. Pit stains, they're matching in my chest, kind of yeah. like the wedding. I walk in the house, and I'm like, why is it hotter in here than it is? Like, what the yeah. shit? Yeah. No, I'm familiar with So that. I go to turn the AC system. doesn't work. It just closes up. I go downstairs. She's pumping the AC unit downstairs. Mind you, it's 85 degrees. Yeah. She's got the AC unit set at 82, and it's pumping on full blast, and she's underneath a blanket. <laughs> it's 6 o'clock. <laughs> She sounds like my sister-in-law. I said, I said, Nana, can we turn on, can we turn this off so the, the rest of the people that live here can find some level of comfort? Can we maybe get it, you know, to a comfortable 78? 
uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. Laugh Man does not find that comfortable. No, a comfortable 68. <laughs> we'll start at 68 and work our way down. It was just a battle of ACs. Listen, for, if I'm going to break a sweat just watching television, it's too hot in it's, here. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, I'm, f- I'm very familiar with this. Like, my sister-in-law is like that. She's cold in any environment. And she, you know, she may hear this. She knows. We argue about it all the time. I'm like, if you're cold... I got a nice big old fur blanket you can wrap yourself up in. If I'm hot, I could get balls naked, and I am still going to be hot. Oh, yeah. There is no there is no blanket for hot-natured people. Yeah. That's why I love cold weather. You, you can adapt to cold. Yeah. You, you can you layers. Up. You can You're talking start to the fire. suit, man. I know yeah. all about like, you I, know, cool but layering. But the heat... No, there's you nothing can get you naked do. and you still might be hot. Yeah, you can get completely naked. You're just going to be more offensive to the people around you, and you're still going to be hot. I mean, Rosie, when the reason we have these units, oh, who knew it was going to be AC heavy? Um, but the reason we have these units on a day like the day when it's like 64 it's degrees lovely. outside, it's lovely out. <laughs> but even then, I need this thing going. I yeah. just do. But uh, Leah went. My wife went to uh, New Orleans for a uh, bachelorette party. And at the time, only one of our outdoor units was working, but it did fine. It, it, you know, helped the whole house. It goes out. So it's just me here with the dog. Mm. If I can't tell you what this place turned into. It was a f- fucking Swedish sauna in here. Yeah. And I, I texted Leah, and I was like, if you see a charge for a local hotel, <laughs> I'm not cheating on you. <laughs> I just had to get out of here. It's amazing what happens to your house when the air quits working. My my damn dog stepped on the the refrigerant filter line to our air conditioning last summer and snapped it. And I just, and I watched. It's like it's nine at night, and I just watched all the freon <laughs> leak out of our unit. <laughs> and it's like it's fucking like late July. <laughs> I'm just looking at him and like, God damn you! <laughs> and he's just you know standing there peeing, looking at me like what? And within an hour, it's just like this is what it was like yep. in the '60s. Yeah. Like just like this is just how we live. Yeah. Go get yourself a, a rag to put on your forehead and turn on the ceiling go, fan. Go chunk off some pieces of that big piece of ice we have brought here every Wednesday. <laughs> you know, I, I you know tell my dad like what's going on. I was like, hey, listen, when I was a kid, we didn't have AC. I'm like, that's not helping right, right now. Yeah, it's also <laughs> irrelevant. We've progressed as a society. We have. Centralized air. Yeah, it's. Ama- I mean, it just blows your mind how like just uncomfortably. St- it's not even the heat necessarily. Well, well, it's how stagnant everything gets. That and what and now what happens is because we live in this new age. I'm on YouTube. I'm trying to find some kind of. I guess, like, I don't want to spend any money on a hotel. Like I, if I put a big block of ice in a laundry basket. Oh no, trust And me. a fan behind that, I could blow air around the ice and it'll filter through the little openings in the laundry basket yeah. and I'll just put my face right on the other side. And I'll be honest, I tried that. I tried <laughs> I, I tried sim- I tried a lot of things. I had a had a big box fan at the time. I still do. I sleep with one. Yeah. I, I hung I put I, I I wet towels and put them in the freezer to kind of just hang them off that yeah. box fan. I, I tried it all. Uh, dogs making his first cold appearance. cuts makes his first. Cold to be fair to him, and we didn't say appearance. this at the top. Maybe we'll mention it in the intro. Uh, we do have some otters chicken on the way. Yeah, they're our newest sponsor. <laughs> Legion. So. Oh. Legion. We'll go ahead and pause it. Yeah. To be honest, to be honest, I don't remember what we were talking about, but we did do a hard pause for food. For the food, 
which has been consumed. Shout out to Otter's Chicken. And we're back at it. I don't remember what we were talking about. I feel like it was air conditioning related. That probably was. What we were talking about off the pod is somewhat relevant. You know, I was telling you about my car incident this week, but the traffic coming out here was just a just a raging bitch. It was so bad. And like I said before, I was blaming the Braves, but I didn't even I didn't know they had a game tonight. It uh, like fifteen thousand people go to those games. Which I said this, I, I'm going to repeat myself because I just I don't understand why they chose to move the stadium here because their whole their whole talking point was when we look at our ticket buyers. They're all in Cobb County, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go to this particular region of town where it's already you know puckered tighter than a first night inmate's asshole in terms of traffic, and we're just gonna shit right on top of where seventy five and two eighty five come together, and make it a fucking nightmare so that you know white hillbillies and their wives will feel comfortable walking to their car. At well, night. the reasons are many. <laughs> As far as why they moved it, and you're right. I love. I love. I don't get accosted with first night inmate puckered butthole. Really, (laughs) perfect metaphor. Uh, But yeah, no. And as I was telling you, I was at a at a wedding and last year, and some of the these very white bread people from Alpharetta were talking about the new stadium, and I was sitting there just kind of casually listening. I think it was because I knew what was about to was what was about to be said. Yeah. And, And one of the women says. You know, it was a great time. We took the kids. But you know what the main thing was? <laughs> we just felt safe. We just felt safe there. And I looked at Leah, and she looked at me, and we both thought the same thing. This this hoity-toity bitch yeah. is basically just saying, you know, it's just it's just white. <laughs> like, it's even nice when the sun white. goes down. There's, there's an Antico pizza, but it's not in the gross city, you know, where the original one is. You know, and I... I wasn't accosted by someone trying to sell me a $1 water bottle. Nobody offered to watch my car right. while, you know, after I parked it. And I was thinking at the time, I was like, bitch, I need that guy selling the $1 water bottle when I'm walking <laughs> in. And more importantly, when I'm walking out. Yeah. <laughs> I need that $1 yeah. water bottle. Because the minute you cross that precipice, everything is $8. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I always thought that my main thing about when they moved the stadium was always... For those listening who aren't in Atlanta, and we hope that there will someday be many of you, the Braves moved their stadium, the Atlanta Braves moved their stadium from the from the city. From Atlanta. From Atlanta to Cobb <laughs> to County. Basically, to basically Smyrna. Mar- Smyrna Marietta. <laughs> Not a huge leap for mileage purposes, but culturally very yeah. different. I love the fuck Cobb County t-shirts. <laughs> Those are like, that's one of my, like, regardless of where you stand on the stadium debate, that's one of my favorite shirts I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing. I, when I was really, because I, I used to be a kind of a season ticket holder by proxy. I had a family member that had corporate tickets that no one really ever used for last, especially the last few years, and we've been terrible. Mm. So I, I was going to many games a year. I was going to 50, 50 games out of 82 home games one year. I mean, I was down there a lot because I work in the city, so I could just get off work and five yeah. minute ride over to the stadium. And I, not even that year, but just all the years, I love the guys that made a living in those eight months going to Costco, going to Sam's Club, yeah. buying 48 bottles of water for, what, $19, <laughs> right? And then selling probably them. Not, not even, even that. Probably like eight ninety. Right, right, right. And then selling them for a dollar to a bunch of drunkards yeah. and making three times, four times their profit. Being smart, doing everything that Gary Vachernik or Grant Cardone would tell you to do, <laughs> right? Take something that you can get cheap and sell it for more. I mean, yeah. 
And now you're taking that business because they can't come from Vine City. They can't come from those spots up to Cobb County. There's no direct transit to the stadium. They've literally taken somebody's But they don't need away. to because there's a Holman and Finch right outside the stadium. <laughs> you, can, you can grab a tasty beverage from. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say, having been to my fair share of Turner Field Braves games, you do kind of walk out, and if it's a game that ended early, kind of thinking like, Fuck, I wish we could go somewhere, but there's nowhere that you can really go to without getting in your car and fighting traffic to get to some other part of town. So the idea of putting uh, nightlife around the stadium uh, makes sense, but they could have done that where it was already. They could have turned that area into it, the cutesy little I mean, shit, the entire west side of Midtown that goes from uh, Howell Mill all the way down past Tech towards downtown is just rapidly getting uh, gentrified and turned into an Avalon or a SunTrust Park uh, battery type place. They could have easily done that with where Turner Field was instead of just abandoning it and moving to Cobb County and making traffic even more fucking worse than it is. Because even if it's not game-related, all that fucking construction (laughs) that went on for however long it did just, I mean... It just ruined it. It, it. I left my office at 4.30. I didn't get here till after 5.30, and you're not that far away. <laughs> and I, I guess I, I guess I, this is kind of from ACs to the Braves. I get it. It's our podcast. But I'm going to dip back into this chicken. He's going back talking. into the chicken. I, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying when you say you wish you could have left Turner Field and gone somewhere, but you could have. It just would have been, you know, a little, like a 20-minute hike a little further into a different part of the city. Where do you go when you leave SunTrust? You're going to ride up 41. Boomers doesn't exist anymore, so that's out. (laughs) R.I.P. Yeah, and no one wants an $8 Coca-Cola because they don't sell alcohol. Where are you going to go? You're paying $8 for the the views. (laughs) You're overpaying is what you're doing there. But my point is... It's not as if the nightlife got better by putting it on Cobb Parkway. No, but when you walk out of the Braves game now, you can turn to your left and go to Holman and Finch or any of those other places they've got around the stadium. There wasn't anything outside of Turner Field. You walk outside of Turner Field and it's like we're basically surrounded by highway. If we want to hey. if we want to go do something, if we want to go grab a drink, get a late night burger, we got to drive there. At Sundress Park, the battery, you do have the battery where you could say, hey, the game's over earlier than we anticipated. I'm still kind of hungry. I didn't want to pay uh, $1,000 for a chicken finger inside the game. Let's go grab something over here real quick. Yeah. You do have that. You didn't have that at Turner Field. I, I will say this. the When we used to leave Turner Field, we would, of course, try to get out before you did have that quagmire. Mm-hmm. And we would always come up to the, the Waffle House right here near the house because I— as we sit here now, for those who don't know, we're literally five minutes away from the stadium. It's a four-minute Uber ride for me to go to a Braves game. But there's a Waffle House over there that we would always come to after the games, and now it just so happens that it's literally right right across the street. So there is that. That's a, that's a, that's a win for me personally. <laughs> but I, I'll, I, will t- <laughs> I will tell you a quick one. We Last year when the stadium opened uh, – one of my best friends had installed all the card access. Like, so employees, card access. You know, you just yeah. swipe card, you're in. You don't... The security card. The security to get, card to get access. He, he had installed all the security cameras. I mean, he, this was his job. 
including some of the fire alarm panels, if I'm not wrong. That's the kind of guy that it helps to know if you're planning a heist. Yeah, for sure. Like but we they, won't we won't name him for that purpose. No, and we won't play in the heist on the podcast. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> that'd be if, interesting. If the world's first heist planned openly on a turns podcast. out, if we would have just subscribed, <laughs> this, FBI, please do subscribe. <laughs> if we would have just subscribed to this, uh, you know, barely barely making the ratings <laughs> podcast out of Atlanta, we could have thwarted this whole effort. But I'm just saying, like, if there's gold bullion buried, you know, you know, locked in a vault underneath I, SunTrust Park, I can hear he's, the uh, he's the guy to know. Yeah, and I can hear the the uh, the news team now. Apparently, a local duo, the <laughs> Laugh Man and the Golden Voice, they're called, <laughs> planned a heist to take on Turner or to Turner Field shit, SunTrust Park. But anyways, he we had tickets. He got tickets because of the work he had done to go to the very first game which was an exhibition game right before last season started versus the Yankees. So I was like, absolutely. So we met, he picked me up, had a few drinks. We go over there. I was like, do you have the tickets? And he just said, doesn't matter. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, hey, we're never going to use them. We parked <laughs> underneath the stadium and right next to the player's lot. He starts swiping us in. I mean, everywhere we go, he's got a card access door and he's just swiping yeah. us in. We go outside, we look around, place is packed. I get a little claustrophobic. He's like, let me show you some other cool stuff. So we walk out of the stadium, and he, we're walking outside on the sidewalk, literally outside the stadium now. And the, we look over to this bench, and there's this old guy. I'd say about 75 years old. And he, we walk past him, and all of a sudden, hey, boys, uh, there's a six-pack of beer, ice cold, in this grocery bag right here. I don't know if you want it. And I, I looked at him, and I said, are you— what? And he goes, look right there. And I look down, there's a six-pack of Natty Light, 16-ounce tall boy. I would have left it. Gleaming, <laughs> ice cold. And I, I would imagine was somebody had been misinformed, and yeah. they were told they could bring beer into the game, and then they couldn't, and they didn't want to walk back to their car. So you they, boys want some beer that, well, here's the thing. where the phone tastes, <laughs> smells like garbage? I got, I got a six-pack of it here for you. You know that floating trash pile in the center of the Pacific? You want to the, taste what that might taste like? The one, the one fraternity party I ever went to at UGA, it was Natty Light kegs. I remember just smelling the foam in my cup thinking, this is what garbage smells like. Yeah. It's literally what like a week's old worth of residential trash smells like in a garbage Okay, well, can. all that being, take that to the aside. When, when you see a six-pack of cold Natty Light 16 ounces gleaming with, with ice coldness, and you say to yourself, I just paid $9.00. For a Bud Light. I was like, yeah. And I said, you don't want them? This is my favorite part. <laughs> Old man, like, I ain't had a drink in eight years. And I don't want to start again. But I could, I noticed <laughs> in his eyes that he had sat down on that yeah. bench with the thought of, <laughs> today could, today be, the could day. be the day. And he wanted somebody. And I'm not talking about the last <laughs> <laughs> And he wanted somebody to take those beers away before the urge became too strong. So I took one. He had just prayed. <laughs> Dear Lord. No, he had done the, he had to give him the whole serenity prayer. God, grant, grant me the strength to accept the things I can. He had done the whole, the whole uh, <laughs> AA thing. Looked at his coin for a few hours. Probably been sitting out there for a while. But I took them and I drained about, I think I literally chugged down two of them. And I was like, should I just leave these out here? And he goes, no, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I did the full redneck thing because they have, you know, that plastic oh, yeah. containers. I l looped I'm pretty sure it's a Cousin Eddie thing. Yeah, I yeah. looped them onto my belt. 
I got these four natty light tall boys looped on my belt. He's, we swipe back into the stadium, finally go sit at our seats, and these people are looking at me like I'm a damn alien because I just <laughs> keep unhitching beers off, <laughs> off my belt, 16-ounce Miller tall boys, and one guy, hey, man. Where the hell did you get six pack of Miller Highlight and or Miller Highlight whatever? Yeah, Natty Light. Natty Lights in here, and I was like, "Don't you worry about it, brother." I even gave the accent right, but don't even worry about it, brother. It was a good night. I'm the owner's nephew. <laughs> I get away with shit. My name is Teddy Sherholtz. <laughs> I can do what I want. I'm Bobby Cox Jr., motherfucker. <laughs> what is it? And it was funny because he actually swiped us into the clubhouse, and because he was like, "I don't know if this will work." Yeah. And he swiped it. Light goes green. He opens the door. We take about two steps in, and we say, how can I help you, fellas? <laughs> Guy just shows up out of the damn shadows. Yeah. I can see the A on the floor, the beautiful clubhouse spread out in front of me, thinking, holy shit. Based on the voice you did, I'm going to guess older black man. Very. So if his whole job is to thwart unwelcome guests, based on just your quick visual assessment how good of a job could he really do he did a fantastic job good but i'm saying like if you if you if you and your buddy were there to do oh something. he'd be dead it would have been very quick like <laughs> one little judo chop <laughs> that's my question he sounds like an old man he so was he was old if was, his job is to be like johnny on the spot and catch somebody walking in great but if his job is also to, to protect the clubhouse, turn people around yeah. because they're not supposed to be here, yeah. how good of a job is he really going to do? If, I mean, if you just slam six natty lights that it, you found for free, <laughs> fuck this old man, I'm coming yeah. in. If I if I had if my intention had been to rob the entirety of the clubhouse, which by the way includes car keys, the wallets of every player. Credit cards for Freddie Freeman. Shit, we need to talk about this heist. Yeah. <laughs> then I definitely could have judo chopped this old guy real quick, gone and had my way yeah. in the clubhouse, come out with keys to Lamborghinis and Porsches and, and Range Rovers like that, walked down and swiped my way <laughs> into the player's lot. <laughs> There's no sign of break-in. <laughs> Except for that old guy lying dead on the floor. <laughs> Except for these empty cans of Natty Light, we have no real evidence. We, we don't sell those here. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, it could have been a... Somebody got beer past the gate. They broke in without breaking anything. That, you know, that's what's crazy, too. On the way out, we were walking out of the, the player's lot, which would... We shouldn't be there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it we sounds look like... Up, well, hold on. We look up, and I, at this point, I've, I've killed all the Natty Lights and two mixed <laughs> drinks that someone else bought us because I nice. made a bet with this guy. And we're walking out, and this, I look up, and I said, I turned to my buddy, I said, dude, that's John Sherholtz. This is the architect of the 90s Braves. This is yeah. the team's president for probably till he dies. And he's walking right towards us, and I'm like, hey, man, it's John Sherholtz. <laughs> and John Sherholtz, I'll never forget it, stops, turns to us, he puts his hand on my shoulder and says, did you guys enjoy the game? Like he, And he didn't just like say it and then keep moving. Yeah. He like wanted to, we were like, yeah, man, it's beautiful. And he's like, what do you think of the new stadium? And at this point, I was like, Like, everything, I, I didn't know what to say. John Smoltz. <laughs> Can you bring back Steve Avery? Is he still around? The, it, Tom Clavin. <laughs> Tell me about that. Where were you sitting in the 95 World Series when what David was, Justice hit the home run? What was the, what was the catcher's name back then? Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Yeah. Well, we had a few, but Greg was up there. <laughs> yeah, he's we the had Javier I'm, Lopez. He's all the one I was talking of. But yeah, I, I mean, but my point was like, 
We could have killed John Sherholtz. Had, had it been the heist we're talking yeah, about, yeah. the news would have been, you know, uh, apparently Laughing Man, the Laugh Man and the Golden Voice not only killed the clubhouse superintendent, but they... The way, the way you tell this story, like, I'm waiting on you to be like, oh, God, I really wish I could, like, smoke a cigarette right now, and your buddy would be like, yeah, you can. It's fine. <laughs> like... Is that allowed? Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's just like, when you're with me, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really wish I could have sex with a prostitute right now. You want that? We can make it happen. I got a card. Swipe. Like, Swipe. There they are. There they are. They're here to serve the players. We have access to them now, too. Yeah, it was a, it was a great night. But, it, you know, also... Tony could have played for the Braves had he been good enough to make varsity, which Uncle <laughs> Junior always told him he wasn't good enough to do. Yeah, yeah. Made a huge difference in Tony's life. It's a nice tie-in. On that note, we should start the episode so we don't go over too much. Mm-hmm. The goal here with episode eight is to knock out eight and nine in one shot so that we can do a... Uh, a double release for the week that we missed. Also, we do want to say we're sorry. We, we'll do this again. <laughs> in the intro. But... Mitigating circumstances. Things happen. We had we had sickness. We had scheduling conflicts. Well, new babies. I can tell you, uh, I th- I know for a fact this was the case with Adelaide. Adelaide did not get sick until she was about sixteen months old, and that's ideally what you want because once they're at a certain age or weight, you can turn to Tylenol or Motrin to break fevers. When they're three weeks old, four weeks old. If they get some really bad cold, like that's danger zone because you mm-hmm. can't do shit about it. Yeah, and they're they may as well be ninety nine. You know, like it's they're very susceptible. And Albury, I think Albury also went a good while before she ever got sick. Albury got a nasty chest cold from somewhere and gave it to me, and I gave it to Adelaide, and I think Kristen's coming down with it now too. But it was a good like seven to ten day high fever congestion. All the shit in your chest, you're just coughing up that fucking yellow shit all day. Not not good. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the the uh, podcast studios are in your living room. I would have been coughing germs into the air your baby breathes. It just yeah. would have been a stupid move to come over here for the sake of the pod. <laughs> so for, you know, our, you know, four really disappointed listeners and then the 16 kind of disappointed listeners, we're sorry. <laughs> to the guy in the U.K., <laughs> Really sorry. We know it's you, David Chase. <laughs> no, but this is um, one of my all-time favorite episodes, The Legend of Tennessee Moltisanti, Episode 8, Season 1. It As is a good one. It starts out with a really awesome dream sequence where Chris is really struggling with his with the, with the hit that made his bones. Yeah. At, uh, the, the murder of Emil Kolar. This is an episode when I, I actually, when I watched it recently for the purposes of the podcast. Like I started, I started season one and just kept going even though we weren't up to this point. I was eating chicken wings on this episode. Oh, during the dream sequence. And with the dream oh, sequence man. with all the rotten meat and the zombie hand grabbing yeah. him, I was like, uh, I gotta. I got to either fast forward or put this chicken down. So I ultimately chose to fast forward. Nice. Because the chicken's not going down. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not from the Wing Ranch. You know, we kid about our sponsors, but I, I, like, we got to figure out how to get the Wing Ranch as a sponsor. It's such a grimy place. I imagine the guy would just be, yeah, I would have. <laughs> you know? Like, he's not going to be like, give me details. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, here's the deal. We have 30 listeners. 
Uh, some aren't exactly in Georgia, but whatever. Uh, we will, you know, talk up the restaurant. And when we come in, you know, we're just looking for, you know. A five piece. Yeah. Like, just, just, slide me, just slide me six wings. Yeah. I like the hot parm. That's all, you know. Yeah. They would definitely do it. He might. Are I mean, we talking about the bald dude? Yeah. Yeah, he's in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ray sees me so often, he he doesn't even ask what I want because it never changes. And he's also, I think, I think maybe it's because I, I always tip at least a dollar uh, on the meal. He started to just automatically upgrade me to a large drink and large fry without uh-huh. charging me for oh, it. Yeah. And I think it's because cumulatively he's like, this guy's easily spent like $10,000. <laughs> The least I could do is give him a few more fries and another splash of tea. It's like, yeah, 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 look what you're doing there. You know, when I turned you on to the Wing Ranch the night that that happened. It was New Year's. It was New Year's Eve. And I went up there to get, I was was planning on getting 75. And I told the guy, I was like, I got all these people coming. I definitely want to do y'all's wings. I told them days in advance because I thought they would need that kind. They didn't need that kind of notice. I think they only do for like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. But I'm sorry, the big game. The big game, yeah. <laughs> but uh, when it's I told licensed. them, I was like, I'm going I'm to have everybody. I even said, I was like, once they, they try these wings, I know I'm going to have people come. And it was, the guy was like, man. He like put his hand out yeah. for a handshake, and he gave me 100 wings. Paid for 75. Wow. That, so, He's a cool guy, right? I only feel awkward when he fist bumps me because I can't do a cool fist bump. How hard is it to fist bump? He's just cool about it. You know, it's like when you, when you, I remember like going to church when I was a little kid and you have that like, hey, everybody shake hands with each other for a minute. There was always like one or two older, cool black guys that just had rhythm and could do, do a transitional handshake where you handshake and then you hook thumbs and you pull in. And I can't do all that stuff. Should we practice? Yeah, we can, but the point is, he, Ray always goes for a fist bump, and I never feel like more of just like an old white nerd than Do when I go. Do you make it really awkward? No, I, I I give it back. Okay. But it it's just not, I'm not as slick okay. as he is. Yeah, he looks like a guy that's been fist bumping before fist bumping was a thing. Yeah, and I'm just like, I, I just, I feel like Napoleon Dynamite's brother. <laughs> Every every time, every time I fist bump him back, he's like, "Mom goes to college." Thanks, buddy, for the hot wings and bringing out the unsweet tea pitcher for me. Not to to digress, but at so Tony and Carm and the family go to a wedding for Larry Boy Parisi's daughter, who and, Larry Boy who like disappears for the majority of. Well, he's in, well, I know he's he in goes, prison, but you never see, you never see him. Uh, you don't see him much, but there, he informs him that there is some some, uh, some what do you call it. Uh, Subpoenas coming down. Yeah, the, that actor must have had like some sort of conflict or, or scheduling Maybe. issue. Yeah, because it's like you're still in the show. We're well, not going to actually. It's show actually kind of like Carm. Uh, her, what's her name? The actress, Carmela's. Carmela's real name? Yeah, I can't remember. Is Nurse Jackie? Yeah. Well, she was in Oz <laughs> for the first season, and then she had signed on for a second season, but her role diminished, and and a lot. Yeah. Because the Sopranos kicked off that next season, and then she was gone completely. They wrote her entirely out of the, out of the character. So that happens. I'm just, but I'm just any, the whole point of this, what an Oz podcast might, oh, how that might geez. go. <laughs> There'd be a lot more butt talk. You know, the, the, the thing about Oz. Let's not digress too much. But Oz, the, the State Farm you, guy rapes about, people. I, I know. I know. <laughs> 
And I get it. But it's I, like, I'm not teaching jazz. I'm going to rape that. <laughs> and I'm a Nazi. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I am saying like, you know, Oz wasn't the kind of... When you heard about it in cultural references, it was a lot of butt sex. But if you watch the show, it's not really entire... It wasn't like there was a ton of anal no. raping happening. No, happening. but... It, <laughs> Manuged. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we actually... I think we talked about that in one of our earliest episodes. Mm-hmm. No, it just seems like every time I, like, walked into the room and Oz was on, it's like, there's there's another rape scene. Well, let's not digress too far. <laughs> so anyways, they went to the wedding. The subpoenas are coming down. Tony's cleaning out the house of yeah. cash and guns. Handing it over to Carmela, and of course she's like, "Here we go again." Here we go. And then like, he starts. He, need, he says, "I need your jewelry," and she starts peeling off the jewelry. And then yeah. he looks at that engagement ring, and says, "You're not giving him. We're not hiding this. You didn't. You didn't steal this. This isn't stolen." And Tony kind of gives that like, "What do you think I am?" <laughs> it is, but all right, I'll, I'll lie. Yeah. And then they cut away, and one of my favorite scenes where Chris is really struggling. He's not not getting the bump he thought he should get. He's having nightmares about the first hit he ever did. So he wants gonna, to write. He's he, going to write a movie yeah, script it, on a ThinkPad. Yeah, on the earliest laptop, he's going to write his masterpiece, and he spells managed, manuged, M-A-N-U-G-E-D. Well, he, he says, I just deleted my whole script, and I'm like, is your whole script a sentence? <laughs> how much have you written? What's scary is that how much he has to turn to Adriana, and apparently she's like a... Far more computer literate than I would have thought. Yeah. Well, and she's arguably the worst person to turn to for advice because she's the same person who thinks that massive genius is, oh, is worth talking to. And uh, that god-awful band Her that I think yeah. comes up in this season. No, it's not this one. Is it season two? No, it's this season, but it's not this episode. No, it comes up this season. Uh, I think it's she, coming like next. I think I said it in episode one. Like These two, Chris and Adriana, their they're only talent is reassuring one another mm-hmm. of how talented they are. Because mm-hmm. he can't write for shit. I mean, it's jumping ahead, but Cleaver, just based on what you can see from the show, it looks like a garbage movie. I do wish they would have <laughs> made it, though. I'll be honest, I would have definitely loved it. It'd have be seen cool Cleaver. if they, like, did a, you know, con- you know, like a joint release with season seven I mean, or which whatever. which Baldwin? Was that Billy? I think it was uh, no, Billy. No, it was Daniel. Daniel Baldwin? Yeah, Daniel okay. Baldwin. Interesting. But, Which reminds me, I was watching uh, Comedians in Cars with Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld where he, he went out with Alec. Oh, yeah? And Alec's hilarious. I don't know if you know this. I do know that. He has a fantastic podcast. Yeah. And I, what he was talking about his brothers, and he was, he was saying, like, I had to work. I was, it didn't matter. I was at 12, 13, 14. I was going to work. I'd leave at 6, 7 in the morning. Those guys would already be out. My brothers would be out in the street playing baseball. I'd come back at 6, 7 o'clock at night. They're still out there playing baseball. <laughs> Now ask yourself. <laughs> He's basically just shitting on his brothers. <laughs> saying they row the coattails. But it was just funny to hear what, like, what you hear from culture about How many the Baldwins. Ba- there's Alex, the, arguably the most famous. Well, he is the, the yeah. successful Baldwin. Daniel, Daniel is, is the one from Cleaver. Stephen. William Baldwin is in... Backdraft. Uh, Backdraft. He's the youngest... Uh, Stephen Baldwin. Uh, and Stephen Baldwin is the Biodome, is Biodome but yeah. now hyper Christian. Yeah. Is there another one? I think that's. I think there's an Andrew, or am I just making that up? He might be the smartest Baldwin to just avoid <laughs> the nonsense altogether. It's kind of like how uh, Martin Sheen has three sons, but you've never heard of the third one because he chose to keep to himself. <laughs> I like the. The, the South Park movie where they bomb the Baldwins, and that's what causes America to go to war with Canada. <laughs> Eric 
Bear. They killed the Baldwins. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Damn you, Canada. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, no, I love Team America. Just every time Kim Jong-un says Alec Baldwin in that movie. Oh, Eric Baldwin. Eric Baldwin. <laughs> we here, Film Actors Guild. Fag. <laughs> The Film Actors Guild. You know, Matt Damon. So I'm so glad you said it. Let's, let's do digress for a minute while we watch Chris get mad that he's not getting the recognition he wants for being a mobster. Team America. Yeah, Brendan Falone gets recognition. Yeah, he does not. And he's a dead Brendan Falone at that. Understandable, because Brendan Falone's a piece of shit. I said that myself. But you know the story behind Team America when they, they knew they wanted to do the dolls. Mm-hmm. And originally they wanted to recreate Armageddon. In its entirety to show how bad <laughs> that movie is and how bad Michael, uh, what's the filmmaker that did all those movies? Oliver Stone. No. Oliver Stone didn't make Armageddon. Oh, not Armageddon. Oh, I, was, I was thinking Apocalypse Now when you said that. Armageddon. Michael. Uh, Michael. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. And they wanted to show how bad that film was. So they literally wanted to recreate the entire yeah. film with puppets. Sorry, I was thinking Apocalypse Now because I said Martin Sheen. No, it's all good. I can see the connection. But I do think Oliver Stone's movies are kind of shitty. They Anyways, are. go ahead. Not, this is not a condemnation of <laughs> Oliver Stone. It is a condemnation of Michael Bay. And what they wanted to do was make Armageddon in its entirety, but the film uh, or the studio was certainly like, no. <laughs> so they, they wrote that script and they still wanted the dolls. And then all, he, I remember Trey Parker and Matt Stone had an interview and they were like, and then it got weird because all these people wanted to work with us. The cinematographer who had just won an Academy Award for The Matrix contacts us mm-hmm. and says, is it true that y'all are about to do this with marionette dolls? And they were like, yes. And he's like, can I please be a part of this? And they were like, are you sure? <laughs> you just won an Academy Award. Are you sure? And he was like, yeah. So they signed up all these people that want to work with them. Come over and so here and suck my cock. Suck my cock, Gary. <laughs> so then they come, they have all this stuff working, and and then the day of the the dolls, they had ordered all the dolls for all the big movie stars, Alec Baldwin, all these little dolls, and Matt and Matt Damon shows up. Now, Matt keeping Damon. in mind that Matt Damon is actually a good friend of theirs, <laughs> like they actually of all the actors and all, like they have a friendship with Matt Damon. He was yeah. just going to be kind of an illusory part of the whole experience. Yeah. And they looked at the doll, and Trey Parker turns to Matt Stone and says, Dude, this doll makes Matt Damon look retarded. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and that's how it became yeah. Matt Damon. <laughs> it's this beautiful, like, funny story of, like... Yeah, I think I knew that background, that the, that, that was not the plan, but it when, was the not doll, the plan. when the doll showed up... the doll up, showed like, up. Uh, it, it's kind of like how, like, when they say, like, you pick a name for your, your son or your daughter, and then when they're born, <laughs> you see them go... This isn't this isn't a Kathy, you know? <laughs> and, you, and you pivot to whatever they look yeah. like. It's like this 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 looks like Matt Damon with special needs. Yeah, and that's really oh, dude, Matt <laughs> Damon. <laughs> so this is actually now we've gone down that road. I've bitched about this before. Well, this is a big scene. So when you okay, so this is why this this, this particular episode is really good. So Doctor Melfi's at dinner with her ex husband and son and. I believe it's her parents. Right. And I've, I've bitched about this before. I don't, her ex-husband is irritating. Well, he, of course he's irritating. He's irritating to me. He's irritating to her. Why does he come well, let's to give, family let's, dinners? Let's, well, I don't know, but let's lay this out. I'll so, let you talk for a second. I'm going to go put my chicken in the fridge. Okay. Well, <laughs> the whole point of what they're trying to say in that scene is lay out how Italian culture is presented in society. So it's the glorification of the Godfather films Goodfellas, Casino, really like La Cosa Nostra across the board. When in reality, as 
you could probably imagine, only it's like less than 1% of the Italian culture in America is represented by La Cosa Nostra and the Black Hand. And it's this big argument they get into. But honestly, it feels weird talking about it to myself. <laughs> I'm listening. I know you're listening, but it still feels weird. Is that it's it would not, that would be more difficult if even the own Italian culture didn't kind of latch onto that. It's like well, sure, they, sure, ninety nine and a half percent of Italians came here and worked their fucking asses off building all types of structures, doing all types of things, writing all types of poetry, and yeah, you don't celebrate the Italian bricklayer. Yeah. Right, and that's to be understood. You celebrate the Godfather. You, yeah, you celebrate Francis Ford Coppola. You celebrate Casino and Scorsese and Goodfellas and De Niro. Although they don't mention any of those in this show because the timelines are too close together, and a lot of the actors are in those movies. Here's the scene we were talking about where Vito is not Vito yet. Right, he's just a different role, much fatter too. But yeah. there's the guy I was telling you about who goes on to. Okay, I don't. Yeah, his name I recognize. His name is Brian Moynihan. He, Scores a lot more roles after this, but in this yeah, particular the, role, it's just the 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 um, patriarch at the table. Her dad even points out, like you don't hear the Scotch Irish bitching about how they were portrayed in westerns. Yep, you know, uh, basically to say like just you know, blue eyed devils. He's like nobody's complaining about how they look in western films. So why are we complaining about the way we look in mob movies? It is it is a thing. It's an Italian thing, and, and that's and I guess my point when I when I've watched this now like 30, 40 times is that you can't complain about a thing when your own culture, in some form or fashion, not not you can't. You know, it's not wholesale across the board, but when your own culture kind of identifies and loves it too, you know, as an yeah. Italian, I, if I was true to, I know many Italians that still say the things they hear on this show or yeah. or on. You know, sausage or, you know, they, they, they use... Scarole. They don't talk like that. Which I don't... What they is, don't talk like that, but they see these shows, yeah. and now all of a sudden, you know, gabagool, they, they want to talk like what they see these, these the Godfather characters and the mobster characters talk like. They take some semblance of... In the same way that I love the line that we've discussed about when the, when the Jewish guy says, we, you know... We we beat the Romans. Where are they now? And Tony says, I'm "Right fucking here." Yeah. I, I'm not even Italian. I'm like, "Fuck yeah, you are." <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's a great fucking line. That's just good writing. Now Chris just shot the guy in the foot after he made him a box of pastries. Do me a favor, put the subtitles on because there's a particular pastry. He Last got. time we tried this, it didn't work. Out. <laughs> well, you remember how it went? It ended up jamming up the system. Uh, well, you know, we'll see what happens. But there's a particular. There's a particular pastry that he was told to pick up. Get some cannolis, get some uh, Napoleons, Napoleons, and there's a third one. And I want to know what that third one is. See? This happens every time. It's all right. This is, I mean, we're not, you know, you don't have, no, I was going to say Polly says it. You don't have to back it up. It's not the Shvugadel. Yeah, it? that's it. Shvugadel. What the hell is that? We'll find out. Because you can watch him pack. It looks like, you know, sweet croissants, mm -hmm. cannolis, yeah. which, I mean, I'm, a, I'm kind of a cannoli fanatic. It would, it would hurt my heart to watch somebody just throw cannolis in a donut box. Like, they need to be placed. placed. They need to have some paper around them to keep them from rolling and to have all the filling go everywhere, you know. It, yeah, but if the box was filled with other pastries, I, I don't care. Maybe, but they were packed in a hurry at gunpoint, so they're, they're going to be messy. <laughs> you know, Polly's upset because Chris 
throws the box down on the pool table, and it's like, Paul, you have no idea the, the circumstances around the origin of this pastry <laughs> box. They've already been through the ringer. Yeah, but Polly's been looking forward to that pastry box for some time. This oh, does. here we go. This the Shvuyadel. The Shvuyadel. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> That's something that... Might be a crumbly pastry that can can't... Can we Google it? Do you have your phone handy? I, I just want to know what it is. Like, it looks like a sweet croissant, and that may be all it is. But I also, I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't know what a Napoleon is. Shvuyadel. I know what Neapolitan... Uh, Neapolitan ice cream is the... I love a good Neapolitan. It's the, the three flavors in one. And, you know, a nice. Check this out. There is a Sopranos translator. Hmm. Hmm. This might come in handy in future episodes. Might. Okay, so it's really Sfogliatella. And it is sometimes called a lobster tail. It is a shell-shaped filled Italian pastry native to Campania. Uh, means small, thin leaf layer as the pastry's texture represents or resembles stacked leaves. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if they sell those at the uh, East. It exists only in the United States and generally refers to a cream-filled larger pastry. So that's what it looks like. Yeah, that's the one. It looks like a sweet croissant or something. Yeah, that's what you were saying with this sweet croissant. All right, now what is a Napoleon? While we're, while we're pastry Googling. podcast all of a sudden. Well, I want to know because if they sell these at the uh, East, what is it, East 48th Street? East 48th over there in Dunwoody. We should go get some. We should have probably done that run earlier. It gives us something to look forward to. I will say this. I have been there a few times. Vanilla slice or custard slice, also known as Napoleon, is a French pastry whose exact origin is unknown. Hmm. So it's just another pastry with vanilla cream. It all looks thin good. sliced. Yeah, I mean, it looks amazing. I'm not. I'm not. Get, I'm not trying to shit on them. I will say the cannolis at East Forty Eighth. You don't love them. You, you, you've they're talked. Not, they're not that well, let's not. We might be turning to these people <laughs> one day for some kind of sponsorship, or at least a free meal on the. Sure, I, I understand. The pod. The best cannolis that I've had in a while, and I'm sure a, a tried and true Italian would argue with me, are the ones they make and sell at the fresh market. They are. Just outstanding. They are always good. The chain? Yeah. Oh, really? Their, their bakery, their pastries and their bakery department are always are always a, a crowd pleaser. And the particular way they do the the sweet filling with the chocolate chips, they're just, they're, they're so good. I also like uh, the cannolis at Mona Lisa, which is a little Italian restaurant by my house. They do a pretty good job. <laughs> the one at East 48th Street, there is good, but it was... I don't know. It was more... <clears throat> to be clear, friends, he's talking about a very cool family-run place in Dunwoody that makes amazing sandwiches and, and prepared dinners and has a, a market for I need to try good Italian goods. Dinners. I didn't love lasagna the sandwich is, I got. Lasagna is very good. And I had a pepper... I had peppers and eggs. What comes on sausage. a peppers and eggs sandwich? Is it, is it exactly just like scrambled eggs, peppers, and... Italian loaf bread with... Uh, you can do your... There's no I, wet I ingredients... Asked, they don't throw any like mayo or marinara or mm-hmm. anything in there. I didn't. I'm sure you could ask for it, but mine was just sautéed peppers and uh, onions in a nice olive oil sauté with a. I asked for my egg to be over easy, so it get a little runny, and they put in a cut up. They just split a sausage link down the middle, and it was very very good. I had it about eleven o'clock. It was I was full for hours. <laughs> very good. It just doesn't. I don't know. It's uh, come on. 
You like all of those things independently of themselves. I would you? want to throw some cheese in there. So ask for some cheese. And I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I like a. I need at least one wet ingredient on a sandwich. I can't do a dry sandwich. Okay. Well, like that's why I do my egg over easy. Now let's talk about the Sopranos. I love how they got Olivia out, so that Tony could take all the guns that him and Carmela had removed from the house, including a large subs. Yeah, chunk of cash and, and hide them and in hide her sweaters in her hat box and sweater boxes at the uh, retirement community of Green Grove. Hey, this is her stuff that she'll never look at. I'll just uh, seventy five thousand dollars in it in a loaded shotgun and an AK. With the checkered history he has with his mother and her tendency to just be a royal pain <laughs> in the ass, she finds even a dollar in there. I would not hide money where she was. There are plenty of other places you could go hide. All right, so we had to take a doo-doo break in case there's a weird break here. <laughs> I, I don't remember where we left off, but Chris is moping in his apartment. I like how you let out. With, we could have done any number of different <laughs> welcome back segments. Oh, we're going to cut to commercials. Oh, now we're back. We want to go ahead and tell you. We were taking a shit. Not together, mind you, but one of us had to shit. Uh, shit's so nice, you flush, flush it twice. It twice. Uh, but yeah, Polly and Chris are talking. Chris is moping because his story doesn't have an arc. And uh, Polly's talking about Richard Kemble, which I'm pretty sure is Harrison Ford from The Fugitive. Uh, uh, and Chris is surrounded by Bud Light cans that are empty because he's sad. He's <laughs> sad. Also gonna be some background noise because the baby is back. The baby's back, and mom chillies. doesn't understand the complexities. Of making a podcast out of a very open studio. Yeah. I'm waiting on the speakerphone noise. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's coming. That's my favorite when she... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this will matter. Is it really that bad? You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Is this really causing a problem? No, no. <laughs> then you got, you got uh, of course, Pussy telling him that this is just common for Chris to have nightmares about killing your first person. Yeah. Can you imagine, though? I have dreams. <laughs> this has happened to me a lot. I have, I've had dreams. I guess you call them nightmares. Where I Beautiful, accidentally... dreams. Where I accidentally <laughs> kill somebody. Mm. And I'll wake up with this sense of guilt that is just, like, palpable. Like, it's real. I've never... I don't think... I don't know if I've had a murder dream. I'd have to really think about that. Again, sometimes... It's not, I, I don't recall them ever being murder. I recall them being, like... Yeah, Driving and accidentally plummeting, mm. pummeling a, a, a hobo somewhere. I don't know if that's politically correct. I miss the dreams. I used to have them as a kid all the time where I would jump, but I would end up like going like way into the air, like above the tree line. Okay. And then it's nerve wracking because you start to fall and you're like, this isn't going to go well, but mm-hmm. you can, you have the ability to, to land and jump again, which is always a fun dream to have. I do hate the dreams, though, where you have them and something's going terribly wrong and bothering you, and then you wake up in a panic, and it's like, ah, it was just a dream, but still it's going to be in my head the rest of the day. Whatever those chemicals are, they stay with you. And I guess if you feel bad on your fir- or you're having these kind of nightmares like Chris is when he's killed his first person, like how many do you have to kill before you? it just becomes nothing? Yeah. Like Polly's killed like 50 yeah. And what what what's the number count on a a mob guy? You know, it's like masturbation. <laughs> it's all, let's t- yeah, let's take it there. You know, <laughs> you feel terrible when you're a kid and you do it the first time. By the time you're thirty, it's like 
may as well have just eaten lunch. Bro, great. <laughs> that, I thought this metaphor was going to be fucking dumb. But now when I hear it, the way you say it, I'm yeah. like, oh, it makes some sense because... Yeah, you're, you're a teenager, you're in youth group, you're being told how terrible it is, you're just beating yourself up left and right, like, I'm gonna go to hell, this well, is so bad, I feel... Well, here's the thing. And then now it's like, eh, breakfast, crank one out, go to work. In our old house, when I was in middle school, and I was in that youth group and going every Wednesday and Sunday, it wasn't like I was being inculcated with a lot of guilt about it, it just wasn't really talked about, and you were supposed to just save yourself. Yeah. And I remember... That in includes our, from yourself. From yourself. Uh, but... There was our our main floor bathroom off the kitchen. My mom had this stack of <laughs> magazines. Is going to end up getting cut out? No, no, no. <laughs> My mom had this stack of magazines because they all know this story now. But she had this stack, of, and it it was like good housekeeping, uh, better homes and garden. Yeah. And there was like a local one that had this woman on the cover. And she's wearing, I mean, nothing about this lady is revealing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. She's just, it's this dark-haired older lady uh, with a pantsuit, a little bit of chest, but not, no cleavage. Yeah. And 13-year-old Austin just <laughs> got his jollies off uh-huh. on that picture. And I remember every time I would, I would stare at that picture and jack off and, <laughs> and think like. <laughs> You're going to call me in a few years like, I think we should cut this part out. <laughs> Should I said masturbate? I don't know. I don't know. I would say, I would I would masturbate to the front cover of this totally <laughs> innocuous magazine. I just love the idea that this is famous amongst your family. Like, well, they, they all know. They all know. Well, some of them. Some of them are about to find out. <laughs> but uh, I would I would masturbate this magazine and every time. It's kind of like what we talked about earlier, off topic or off the pod, where you were saying everything's okay with men as far as like what something might happen sexually until you. Ejaculate, and then you're yeah. like, ah, I don't really think I want to do that. Well, what I said was, you're when you're in the heat of the moment and and you have not climaxed yet, <laughs> everything's up for grabs. <laughs> if if your spouse is like, I'm, we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna make you do that, you're like, yeah, totally, whatever. <laughs> the minute the minute you're done, you're like, meh, I don't want to do it. Like my friend in the pool. It's getting kind of late. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, I know how you said you wanted to do this and the other, but I've kind of just immediately lost interest. Yeah, like this is all over. I kind of just want to brush my teeth and go, go to, to sleep. Bed, yeah. So that was my. So, every, but in a, on the same vein, my thing was, I would have this overwhelming sense of guilt, and I would say, "Okay, God, I'm not going to do this again. I promise." <laughs> I would pray, I'd be like, "I will never do this again." God's and, laughing, like, "Little do you know, you're only 13. <laughs> it's only going to get worse from here, buddy." <laughs> Two days later, when I have that little, when I feel the urge to go to the restroom, poop or pee, I look down and there's my lady. <laughs> In her black pantsuit with a red shirt and dark hair. Oh, you evil seductress. <laughs> you local realtor. <laughs> mm, you're not Terry Hayes, but... <laughs> you don't work for the Mark Spain team, do you? You're part of that John Foy strong oh, law firm, man. aren't you? She, every time. And every time I'd be like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, oh. Send me that house. It was almost like... Send as, me that house. As a, yeah. As I was doing it, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. God, I don't know what's wrong with me. But yeah, that was. I feel, uh, like, I feel like masturbation uh, apology prayers are just like directly into the spam folder of God's inbox. I, I hope so. Just like, eh, I'm so over this. I can't take it. All these people apologizing for relieving themselves. 
I, I, you know, I, I got people begging me for their house back. I got floods. I got childhood <laughs> cancer. I've got all this stuff, and now I got this 13-year-old boy crying at night saying, I'll promise I'll never masturbate again. <laughs> Doing with his body what I engineered it to do. <laughs> it's like you just you don't even get it. Like I remember telling a buddy of mine at church, it's like, what are you supposed to do if you can't do this? He's like, well, you know, if your body really needs to get it out, it'll just get it out now, you know, on its own. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. They do say if you just you know, go f- for prolonged periods of time. You just wake up in a mess and it's like, and that's okay. It's like, well, who's to say it's God's law. I'm like, this is all kind of starting to sound really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't need to go down too far down that rabbit hole, but for the most part, no, yeah. specifically on this topic, yeah, it's yeah. like, I feel like we're really, really focusing on this subject matter that maybe isn't really that important. Yeah. In the scheme of things, would you, You know, in the scheme of things, would you rather tell your youth group of kids, uh, masturbate away. Just don't have sex with each other. I mean, think about it. Okay, so logically. (laughs) Okay, just just so we can say we did, Tony, the FBI just showed up at his house. They have a warrant. They want to look around. They caught AJ jacking off. (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to rat him out. But if, and this would never happen, so it's not like this is even hypothetical. But rather than condemning... A 12 to 16 year old age group of males and females at any local church. Yeah. They, I'm not saying that you should advocate. It's not like you need to be open and say, okay, kids, now that you finished your prayers, let's all go tuck one out. <laughs> but wouldn't that, wouldn't it be better to not make, to, to imbibe them with guilt about masturbation? Because all that, let me put it this way everyone I know, I, I, maybe a handful of people that were in like youth groups back then yeah. and lived that very like shut off, don't don't do things lifestyle. Yeah. What happened? And you know, yeah. What happens to them when they get to seventeen, eighteen, and they start going to their first house party? They're and they the get their wildest. first inkling, and the next thing you know, yeah. they're fucking pregnant at nineteen. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a reason that they say the the preacher's daughter is always the the wild child. I, uh, yeah. Well, I I won't. I'm not naming names, but I'm saying we've all been there. No. The people that are kept yes. in, the, in the tightest, <laughs> most closed-off circles are the ones that go out and get crazy for the most part because they're just they're, they're flaunting against the system. Well, because of my own personal history within a youth group, there's, there's, there's way too much I could say to elaborate on what you just did mm. that would uh, probably so not, not be fair to the individual. It doesn't have to be personal. No, I'm just, I can say I have personal experience uh, one way or another uh, just be, of knowing how far off the deep end someone can go when they've been repressed right. that long. And that's my point. If you said, okay, look, your body, like you just said, God designed a body to do that. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that he wanted you tugging it out 24 hours a day. You know, two, three times at most. <laughs> but it's your that's why you're doing it. Your body is saying... We need to do this now. Yeah. Like you need to learn this, and we're going to, you know. Yeah, I, I rather than repress that, maybe if we didn't repress that from yeah. kind of a, I mean, I know you're not in a spiritual religious world. I really am not myself, but I'm not so far gone to say that maybe something could change to the point where someone says, rather than don't do that, you say we know you're going to do that. Yeah. So we're not going to try to say you're bad for doing it. We're going to say that you're. This is a response to what your body and what well, yeah, you're biologically uh, designed and godly created to do. That's a it's a very uh, 
science-based earthly approach. You know, you could take God out of it. It's a very secular approach of you, biologically speaking, you have this system that's designed to do this. And as a male, you're going to get kind of uh, frustrated and ornery if you don't eventually let some of let some of the pressure off. <laughs> it's going to happen. You know, I, I have I have a. You know, I have a theory that, you know, vasectomies make guys angry because they're not actually getting anything out. Is that not how that works, though? Yeah, it is. They, they, you're, you're cutting off the, the baby batter and only letting out the, the fluid from your, that your prostate makes. Really? So all of your... I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know how this works. Yeah, so that's why you, that's why you can get a vasectomy and still, air quote, ejaculate. You're just not, you're not producing sperm anymore huh. so my th- and they say it just absorbs into your body my theory is you basically any vasectomy man is turned into a t-rex <laughs> like you just like that's why they're so pissed off all the time you can't get this shit out of your body anymore it reminds me of that episode of the office when they had the house are you a fan yeah they, they, they have the the house party where jan and michael have they kind he kind of tricks them into coming over Pam mm-hmm. and Jim and Dwight. Yeah, I remember and, this. But he said they get him and Jan get that huge argument and he says, and then when you said you wanted to have a baby, or no, you didn't want to have a baby, so you had me have a vasectomy. And then you say you did want to have a baby and I had to go back and get the <laughs> reversed. And then you say you didn't want to have a baby. Snip snap snip snap snip snap. <laughs> Do you know what the toll of three vasectomies can take on a man? <laughs> I don't know, I love that. Snip snap snip snap. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, th- I think you could take the morality out of it, and you could easily sit down any any teenage person, whether it's your kid or if you're their mentor, and say what what your teenage impulses are are not wrong. They're not immoral. They're not bad. Don't feel guilty about it because in the big picture, one day you're going to be 31, and it's going to be something you've done more times than you can count, and you're not going to give two fucks about it. Yeah. So don't worry about it. And it's funny how it doesn't really go away. No. It's a I mean, staple. It's a, it is an, It's actually a required <laughs> staple. Is all of this going to get cut out? I don't think so. Are I we going to have a phone he, conversation? No, like, no, we no. We need to cut off all the jerk offs. No, stuff. we agreed though. Some of the stuff we cut out of the last one was yeah. for the best. Yeah, no, because I, we not that we went too well, far. Yeah, my, my old man was like, "Oh God, episode six with the cum face was too much." And I'm like, "Well, it's a good thing we edited seven down because you okay. would not have liked what we left." Here's here. my standard. Here's <laughs> and this is why I called you on the on parts of seven that didn't make the cut. I don't necessarily look at it and ask myself. What is my family going to say? Yeah. I look at it and say, would Leah, would this induce a conversation? Like, can we talk about the pod? <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. Like, and parts of seven, I felt like there would have been like a, yeah. a conversation. This is stuff she already knows. And this is things I, I would be outward. I mean, come on. It's not like. Well, we're, we're kind of in the same boat, but whereas you see. You know, I see Kristen every day. You see Leah every day. I also see my dad every day, and mm. he's a, he's on top of it. Yeah, he's caught up. Like my mom told me, like <laughs> recently, you know, we're recording eight now. My mom told me recently, like I just heard uh, the blowy conversation. <laughs> so she's on four. <laughs> so she's catching up, and I'm like, ooh, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. Um. But but. Uh, but that's, Uncle okay. Hoyt's on top of so, it. So I'm like, you mentioned cum face, though. And that was a situation where <laughs> Leah Leah was the first. I texted her. Yeah. And I said, this girl just told me. I don't think it's the story that bothered him. It was how we 
we elaborated and oh uh, we and, em- we didn't we, embellish we, we just did sketch comedy around it like ah. you know it was like I, I, you know enough's enough it's kind of raunchy and gross move on to something else. I guess I just look at it like come on you were raunchy you were gross but the, the thing about this podcast is we would have had that conversation had you told me that story without the recording device yeah. sitting in. I would have told that at Christmas. All we're letting people do that are our friends and family that listen is basically eavesdrop on the same stupid conversations no, that we would have in your kitchen while, like, drinking a beer and bullshitting for half an well, hour. Well, what they get to do here is something that we've long said because this is what we do every yeah. time we've ever gotten together. Yeah. I mean, I remember sitting on the back porch in Barnesville at Walter's house, <laughs> and Anne would come out, and she would look over, and we're smoking cigarettes, too, <laughs> and she'd have a cigarette, and... We would have to be like, the cigarette's not the problem. It's the conversation we were having that we'd rather not and hear. Yeah. And then it would just be fun. But like, like, the reason we even started this but thing. But we're also both being like, is Anne going to rat us out? Oh, no, because <laughs> no, 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 because she wouldn't rat us out because the, we, we would probably be the ones that would keep quiet when we would find a cigarette butt in the lasagna. It's just there was a fair <laughs> trade. Yeah. But no, I, yeah, um, I know. And My, God bless Anne. I'm a, what a lady. She was cool. She was cool. Yeah, any, you know, in, in, in whatever capacity that I might have smoked a time or two, any relative that I ever had that was a smoker, so I was like, you can't say anything because you're doing it too. <laughs> like I have aunts, my great aunt Cynthia, she used to always say like, I'm not going to say anything. I, I, I have a red wine in Virginia Wait a slam every- Which Cynthia is this? This is uh, my, the one we share? No. Uh, okay. Well, Cynthia is her, her name. We called her Cindy. This my not, not poor little orphan Cindy. No, no. Okay. This is my this is my dad's mom's sister. Ah, she she smoked. I remember I remember she when she and my grandmother lived together for a little while. They had me come over to move furniture, and my pay was was Bud Light. And uh, I sat down on their back porch. I was probably nineteen. I sat down on their back porch and cracked open a Bud Light and just pulled out a Camel Light because I was experimenting with smoking. And my grandmother was like, "Brant," and I'm like. Listen, you used to smoke when I was two years old in the front seat of your uh, mm-hmm. of your of your Nissan. Yeah. If anything, this is your fault. I don't and- blame anybody for my bad. <laughs> I, I see what you were doing, but I remember as a, as a little kid, we would go visit my papa. That's what we called him, G Paw. Yeah. And he would smoke these Moore cigarettes inside. Didn't I mean it was his house? Yeah. And uh, this, I can still smell it. Yeah. And it's funny because I actually talking to an uncle of mine. Many years later, when I was kind of like young and rebellious, I saw a pack of those more cigarettes, and I was like, I'm, I bought one. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's my, my G-Paw cigarettes. Yeah. Worst thing you ever smoked. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it was like, it was worse than a black and mild. It wasn't even really a cigarette. It, right. it, in fact, it had the black. It never really was a white cigarette. It was a, it looked like a mini cigar, but it was smoked more like uh, uh, I mean, I turned green so fast. And then I, in my memory, I still remember, like, how many he would... Like, we used to go there every Friday night, yeah. and he would usually make what he called sloosh, which was, like, uh, just a jumbled pot of vegetable stew and minced beef. Really, really good when yeah. you're a kid with with homemade cornbread. And we would watch Braves games. And I remember distinctly how many... He was just... Boom, boom, boom. It was Chain. rarely one. Yeah. Chaining these god awful. <clears throat> I won't say he was chaining, but he was. I mean, I just remember it was fairly constant the ring of smoke. The things you remember when you're a kid, you know? Yeah. Well, but, I mean, talking about like repression, when I turned 18, 
I was like, I'm going to do everything I can as an 18 year old. I'm going to go buy a Playboy. I'm going to go see what Starship looks think like on the inside. Not before, I, I want you to continue. But yeah. Think about that sentence. I'm going to go buy a Playboy. That is dead. <laughs> yeah. That is a dead thing. Yeah. yeah. But continue. My, my impulse was, I'm going to do everything that I can now. I'm going, and, and not because I did not grow up in a strict. No, like you definitely didn't. We watched lot, R-rated movies here. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the repression was self-imposed because of how deeply I fell into a hardcore Pentecostal evangelical youth group. Mm-hmm. And when I turned eighteen, was when I kind of started to go like, I don't know if I agree with everything <laughs> you guys stand for. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I kind of I was like, I'm gonna see what cigarettes are like. I'm gonna buy Playboy. I'm gonna see what the inside of a starship looks like. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get a tattoo. I'm gonna do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you went through that. I, I, there was a phase where I used to joke. You wore those. You I don't know even what the style was. I, I noticed you started wearing a lot more suspenders with boots that were like red. Doc uh, Martin looking boots. You might have seen that once or twice. I don't know if I, the thing about suspenders. I learned this. This it this, wasn't quite your rockabilly phase. No, I don't think I ever wore suspenders. You, no, you, you did. You had a, a pair of suspenders. I might have. I don't remember. But the thing about the thing I know being a suit nerd now and a man with a belly, if you're going and this is advice for any guy with a stomach. If you're going to wear suspenders, you must wear pants that are high rise. If you wear suspenders with jeans below your gut, you're just you're just uh, you're just accentuating your gut because you're basically it's already ballooning over your waistline this is free advice people this is what he charges and, people and now for. and now you are taking suspenders <clears throat> and you're framing it you're like here's my jeans here's my gut now i'm gonna put some bright brown or red stripes up around it so you can really see so if you're going to wear suspenders you have got to have your pant waistline at least at your belly button. Oh, at least. Yeah. So that this, because the other thing is, if you if your if your pant waist is below your gut, your suspenders aren't doing anything. <laughs> Their whole job is to hold your pants up. But if it's cinched below your belly, you don't need suspenders. Now anymore. you're just now you're just really being an asshole to the <laughs> suspenders because they're like, what the? Fuck? <laughs> We're designed for this purpose. But I mean, yeah, there was a phase in between <clears throat> my my. Uh, high school uh, hardcore music days when it was all about tight shirts and, and tight jeans and black hair when I eventually segued into the rockabilly stuff where it was sort of this mishmash of uh, non-racist skinhead look mixed with 1980s punk look with boots and jeans and suspenders. It, it's, hard to really, it's hard to really think about all the different... Uh, all the different styles I went through as a young person. But that, I mean, a lot of that you was... You were just trying to be you, man. A lot of that was born out of being a musician. You do, when you're in bands, you you feel like you need to look a certain way for when you go perform, and then you just kind of stay in that gear uh, when you're not doing music. Well, sidebar, we just saw Chris finds out he was going to be in the paper, recognized as a mafioso, and of course he goes out and buys all of them. <laughs> I just wanted to touch he on that. Buy all of them. He steals all of them. He puts a quarter in and takes them all out of the machine. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that out there. That's who we're dealing with with Chris Moltisanti. Yeah, I mean he's not the sharpest. That's for sure. But that was it. That's a. It's a. 
Good episode. I know we kind of went down the masturbation wormhole. There was a few more. <laughs> well, you know what I think Sopranos, I think masturbation. I often wonder, they don't really, they don't touch on that with AJ. This no. kind of like sexual identity of, of becoming a man. It's kind of a, a lost, because it surely should have. He That yeah. would have been a part of his life. I mean, maybe they just didn't I want think, to. I mean, but think about the storyline there. Like, you know, Tony, they all do. Yeah. But then it never gets touched on. And then, but the fact, like, can you imagine the dynamic of AJ, like, approaching Tony about any kind of level of sexuality? Forget that. Just how funny it would be if he got caught jerking off in the shower. Like Carmella. Yeah. Comes home early one day. <laughs> and, and, and that, in that phase of just not quite pudgy anymore, but also yeah. not quite adultish looking. Like, yeah. there's just AJ just straight flogging the dolphin and Carmella. Ah! You know, and then I'm, I'm calling Father Rentantola. <laughs> she calls Tony. He's in the middle of some business, like some serious business. And he's like, "What?" Like really mad at a situation. And then she's like, "You can hear that." He's like, "What? What do you want me to do about it?" Like, I, I gotta go. <laughs> Hungs up the phone. Has to run home. Yeah, the next phone call is straight to the priest. AJ, you're talking to the priest. You're going to Father Rentantola. Every, I mean, I don't have sons, and I, and I, I, I never will. We've agreed to stop it. This two is kids. it. Two is it? Yeah, two, we've agreed to stop it too. Uh, I, but I, I have to imagine all parents, regardless of what, what their, uh, chosen lifestyle or religion or whatever may be, all of them know if they have a son and all of a sudden he's 13 and he's constantly shutting and locking his bedroom door when he goes up, they have to know. I would know. You have to know or at least assume. I can re- I can vividly remember between me and my brothers getting you like, why the fuck are you guys in the shower for so long? <laughs> it's like, uh, 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 uh. It's like, it's like, why? It's like, why are you asking in such an aggressive tone? You know why. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm 15. Why do you think I'm in the shower <laughs> so long? I, I actually think about that now. I'm like, poor your mom. Just poor your mom. A lot of boys in the house. Shit. Just semen everywhere. <laughs> If you want to cut that, I suppose that's fair. No, it's funny. I have. I used to think before we had kids, I always thought if I ever have a son, I don't remember what all the things I was going to pass down were, but I do remember. Actually, I remember there's there was three things I was going to pass on to a son, and and uh, if you if you have more children and you haven't have a son, feel free to steal this. Well, let's, let's hear it. The first one was going to be to do some form of exercise in high school that would affect your metabolism for the rest of your life. Kristen was a cross-country runner and on swim team. Wow. So despite having two babies and being in her mid-30s, she bounced back every time, and she's just as slim now as she was before she ever got pregnant. That mm. ma- that, that early athleticism stayed with her. Mm-hmm. So my first bit of advice was going to be to do some form of exercise that's going to have long-term effects on your metabolism. You will be thinner for longer if you swim and ran your ass off in high school. All right. Second bit of advice, your freshman year of high school, be nice to, and I mean really nice, good friends with every awkward and weird-looking girl mm-hmm. in, in your class. The, the, ugly, du- the ugly ducklings. Because they will yeah. be Hot. the hottest girls. And coolest, because they had, they had to develop a personality. Right, yeah. and you'll have been friends with them. Yeah. You will see them, you will graduate, and you will see them on your first summer back from college, and your jaw will hit the floor. (laughs) 
And all the girls that everybody fawned over that were super hot as sophomores, pregnant. They're gonna be. They're gonna have beer bellies from partying with frat brothers. They're gonna look. They're gonna be run Calm ragged. Faced. They're gonna have, have Tara Reed voices where they're all raspy from chain smoking. It, 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 they they burn out fast. Early onset melanoma from tanning beds. But as I and this this holds true to with girls I went to high school with. Like if you're nice to the awkward, quite not so pretty ones freshman year, and you make friends, it will pay off. Well, you should also prep it. And I don't don't I want to take you off track. But not only is it good to just be nice to those people. It's just good to be nice to those people because it's not. It might not ever pay off with some kind of like no, endeavor not, sexually. Yeah, it, you're, it's not like a long con where you're going to get to bone them in five years. Right. I'm saying those are the most interesting people. They end up men be, or women. Yeah. The the awkward people. I I have I, I was kind of in that group. Yeah. So I can kind of say with some I, degree of certainty <laughs> I was that the awkward, not so great looking people that have to Trump get out of here, cold cuts. Good job. Uh, those are the people that are most the funniest, yeah. the wittiest, the smartest, and yeah, the girls that aren't so pretty and, and have their issues in high school and middle school are often do have to develop one. Like I said, yeah. most importantly, develop a personality, yeah. which is, I mean, tatamount for me, like paramount. Yeah. And then when they show up one day and you're like, like you said, draw dropping pretty, then yeah. Maybe you find the well, love yeah, of your life. I it's, don't know. You know, every every I was not in band, but every kid that I knew that <laughs> I was in band was just like the the raunchy band trip sex stories they would tell at like sixteen and seventeen. It's like, you know, just because we're on the subject, I was in band from sixth to ninth grade. Played the mm-hmm. tuba. Never learned how to read music. Don't even ask. Yeah. I just there was a guy next to me. He was the one guy. He was excellent. Went on to play at University of Georgia Redcoat Band. Fantastic on scholarship. I would watch him play it. With his fingers, and I'd learn it myself. Yeah. That was it. Now, I quit the band because I was like, I got to do something else. This isn't working. This is not <laughs> taking me up the social strata onto the ladder. So I started playing football. Yeah. Did that for a few years, kept doing it. But at the same time, to get out of a certain class, I started doing musical theater. Thought that would be like easy peasy. Next thing you know, I'm in drama for three years. Between band and drama, mm-hmm. we are talking... The sexual energy that flowed yeah. through those two realms yeah. was through the roof, especially the drama kids. I mean, this was like, you could pretty much have whatever you want. I, yeah. I didn't take advantage. And I'm just going to be honest, I never truly took advantage of that situation because sure. I was still a little awkward and really knew that. Could have whatever you I wanted. imagine the advice you'd give yourself at oh. this age to, to your younger self? Well, you can imagine it. But at the same time, I if I if I if Sitting here now with you, if I could give the advice to sixteen-year-old Austin, I often and I've thought about this. As you probably would, wouldn't have taken. I probably, it. Well, yeah. not only that, but I probably wouldn't give it to him because if I tell sixteen-year-old Austin to do a thing, it it's affects kind of, it's you. The space-time continuum. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the Back to the Future effect. But, if I had said, you know what, when she says that she wants to blow you in the bathroom after school, <laughs> you should probably do that. <laughs> and when you puss out, when, when you puss out on that, and you're like, I don't know. And you don't do it. Well, the that what little, if God sends me to hell? That, but if, but now <laughs> if I, that little I don't know guy is why I'm I'm happy and content with the life sure. that I have now. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I uh, I vivid I I was a fat kid, ninth and tenth grade. The summer after my sophomore year, I lost a shitload of weight. Mm-hmm. I actually made my family nervous with how thin I got. Um, but when I came back junior year, I was taller. Much thinner, 
looked better in general. I remember this. You lost but, a lot of weight. But my personality and my friend group didn't really change. This I was, was going into your 10th year? 10th this grade? This was going into my junior year. Yeah, I remember this because I was a just graduated. Yeah. And they were like, holy shit, Brent's lost a shit ton of weight. Yeah, I basically just decided to start eating, not necessarily better, but eating less. Less. Portions. You know, like instead of eating seven slices of pizza, just have one. <laughs> Which still applies today. Extremely rational decision. Um, and I quit drinking soda. At that point, I was like living on canned Cokes, and I switched to nothing but water with the occasional Arizona green tea if I was getting Ooh, a public sub. Yeah. But that was the only time I would venture away from water. And just by switching to water and reducing my intake and jogging a little bit, and I do mean a little bit, I went from... Like 220 pounds as a sophomore to like 155 as a junior. Wow. Mine went the other way. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Freshman year, I was probably 165 pounds. Mm -hmm. I remember the first, the clothes I wore for my first day of high school because that was a big deal. Yeah. Those clothes you laid out two days in advance, you like buffed your belt. Nothing Olympic, I hope. No, I learned a lesson about <laughs> nothing about Olympic track. Hey, funny story. One of our followers and someone who we will be giving a shout out to uh, lives in New Orleans is sending us some beer from the brewery she works at. We will not be naming the brewery until we have said beers. <laughs> Unofficial sponsor. Unofficial sponsor to come. Uh, the After that podcast aired where I discussed wearing my 1996 dark green Olympic tracksuit with <laughs> airwalk beige shoes. Which would still be cool. Which would be cool now. Like she, in a Larry she David sent, way. tracked down that jumpsuit and sent me a picture where I could buy it online right now nice. for an exorbitant price, which makes me wish that I still had mine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, still a thing. But no, the first day of high school, I'd laid out my clear as day what I had decided to wear. Nike shirt. Figured that's neutral. Yeah. Can't get kicked in the shin for wearing a Nike shirt, khaki shorts, and a belt that had a gold buckle with a nice pair of brand new tennis shoes. Looked good. Day went well. Didn't get kicked or bullied, but I was probably 160 pounds. By the start of my 10th grade year, I was probably at 210. But it was it was literally a growth spurt. It wasn't yeah. a fat thing. It was like I just kind of became, like I got my dad's broad shoulders and just yeah. kind of like sparked up in a year. I was just, a, I was a fat kid. We're really getting deep in like the. Yeah. Well, I have somewhere I'm going to go with it. Okay. Because I still have my third piece of advice to give. Oh, oh shit. Son. Oh, but we can I, edit it all out and cut to the no, third. No, no, no. It's all good. I want to I want to follow. This. I love the two so far. So give us three. I want to follow this thought pattern. Let me finish with my personal tale. Okay. I decided after my 10th grade year, I'm tired of being a fat kid. I'd like to have a girlfriend. Mm. My appearance might make a difference. <laughs> so I lost all this weight. I did have a girlfriend briefly as a junior. And then I ultimately met the girlfriend I had through high school. And then after that I eventually broke up with. Um, Talking about cliques and the band kids and the drama kids, there is no doubt, like if you were going to, this is kind of an impromptu, just thought of it, fourth piece of advice uh, for a son. Um, I haven't given the official third, but this one just came to me. If you're going to tell your son like the best way to meet women in high school, it would not be join the football team and hook up with the cheerleaders because the odds and the percentages are not in your favor. If you haven't been on the team for years. Right. And even if you are a star back on either side of the the ball, it may not, it may not, you know, the, the pool is smaller. Mm -hmm. Join drama, join band. You you will have, your odds are better at meeting girls in those groups. You go ahead and you knock out some lessers. Not, Sexually, but you just right. you start to. The odds are in your favor right. if you join drama to 
to have a better time with girls, whether that's just dating or whatever. Just generally socializing. Then yeah. if you join the football team hoping that one of the hot cheerleaders notice you. There's only like 12 of them, mm-hmm. and there's like 100 of you. Mm-hmm. So you, And you're not the quarterback. Nope. Um, <laughs> but to get to my bigger point, so I've lost all this weight. At some point in high school, usually around the, the senior year, clicks kind of go away, and people kind of start to cross over. And I'll never forget, I've graduated high school. It's the first summer back. I didn't go to college, and neither, neither did. I've mentioned him several times, My one of my best friends, Adam. Adam, uh, right out of high school, and this is not talking out of school. Most people know this. His parents may not, but oh well. He was selling pot. That was how he mm-hmm. made money. And... It's the first summer back from college for our graduating class. He didn't go to college, neither did I. We both stayed in our our hometowns. And he calls me up one night and he says, will you go to this party with me tonight? A lot of the, uh, like the douchebag jocks that we graduated with know that I'm I'm selling and they want to buy some from me, but I'm kind of nervous to go there by myself because they were all dickheads less than a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm not dying to go there alone and get jumped. (laughs) And I remember thinking... Like, you're twice my size. What good am I going yeah. to do as a ride-along? But sure, why not? So I go to this party with him, and it's all the popular kids, all those hot girls that were the hot girls the freshman year that I was just saying you should ignore because they're going to look burnt out. At this point, they all still look pretty good. Adam breaks away with the guys that want to buy some some weed, and I'm just sitting at this back porch table with the seven or eight hottest girls from our graduating class that were the popular girls that dated the football team. And I'm just sitting there with them. And one of them turns to me and says, oh my God, Brent Hickman, I had the biggest crush on you junior and senior year. And I'm like, I'm sitting, I'm just, I'm just sitting there going like, how the fuck do you know my name? (laughs) (laughs) And then like one by one, they go, oh my God, yes, you were so cute senior year. And I'm just like, and I'm sitting there and I said this and like, why the fuck didn't any of you tell me you thought this? (laughs) It's not how it works. It's not how it works. You know, know, hindsight's 2020. If you lose a lot of weight and you're semi-attractive, people are noticing. But it it just blew my mind. Like, you know, the clicks kind of go away because now everybody has a mutual interest in bands or weed or beer or whatever. And it doesn't matter if you were a football player or a punk rocker or a musician or a skater or whatever. It it, it all kind of bleeds together at some point. But... I just remember thinking like, Shit. meanwhile, your bravado is just like, Bleh. well, I know it's, it's wasted cause it's over now, but still, you probably felt like I, f- on the inside I did, but I, my initial impulse was just kind of like, what? Yeah. Like me, I'm, I'm surprised you know my first name, let alone my, my last name too. Um, but the third piece of advice, which is, <laughs> it's unrelated to high school. This really comes more so from Kristen working in restaurants was to tell would be to tell my son get a job at a decent restaurant in a city. Everybody that worked at Leon's especially had more sex with each other <laughs> and late night hang on customers than you could count. Yeah. Like just like just it's just getting thrown at them guys and girls. And I just remember thinking if I have a son, I'm going to tell him exercise early, be nice to the homely girls. Mm-hmm. Work in a restaurant. You'll make good money. The only caveat I'm throwing and, in on and part two. you will two. have lots of sex. Only thing, yes. <laughs> as, well. a, and that as like a college age young man. <laughs> not, not as a 15 year old. 
The only caveats I and I love all the rules, but the only caveats I have is it, it can't all be about sex. So my point is now on point two in particular. Be well, nice this to the was, homely this girls. This was kind of sexual advice for a son no, at, at I, seventeen I, I do, or eighteen. I, I, I years do old. get that, but I, I am saying be nice to the homely girls, of course, but be nice to the not so cool looking or or weird guys too. Yeah. Because those are not for sexual purposes. <laughs> if you're Unless lucky, that's your thing. If you're lucky, he might go down on you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. A blowy, whatever. No, just, but, but generally speaking, that, that category of clickless individuals end up being the coolest people. And the richest. Make well, those yeah. connections. Because yeah. those are the people that, they, they're the ones that go off to school with a grudge. Yeah. They don't go off to school and say, I can't wait to spend four years and have a great time. They're the ones that say, I'm going to turn this little four-year period yeah. into 40, 50. That's part of my biggest frustration. My my first through fifth grade experience was in a different school district than my sixth through eighth, and my sixth through eighth was different from my ninth through twelfth. Mm-hmm. So when I started middle school— You never stood a chance. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. When I started ninth grade, I knew, like, three people. But in, at, at my high school— the majority of the students had been together since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they're all still tight as shit today. Um, and my, I think my dad had a similar experience with him. Like he still has friends that he knew in first grade. And I, I don't have that. Yeah. And to your point, you know, like when I'm at work, it's like, let's call, you know, call on your friends with, with their businesses, see if they could use our company. It's like, I'm not that tight with very many, and, yeah. and the ones I am still tight with, I don't go by that, back that far with. Yeah. So if you do build those relationships early, it pays off as an adult through business or, or, or friendship or whatever. Well, the last thing I'll say on is that I can relate I the to the sitting on the back porch with all the popular girls, because but it was a little bit different, because later on down the line, when you have all the social media, I have these people reach out, and you, you friend these people that you knew when you were in the fourth grade. And there's been at least two or three instances, at least at least three, where these girls say, I had the biggest crush on you in high school. So glad to see you're doing well. It's very clear that they're like, we have families now, so I'm not trying to like <laughs> I'm not trying to hook up in a fucking motel eight or anything. You were cute then. Now <laughs> you got you got a little fatter. You were cute when you were kinda pudgy. You're still funny. You're funny, so you have that. But uh no, but they're all I had the biggest crush on you. And when I see this, I'm like, you are a total bitch to me <laughs> if yeah. the time periods don't add up you're saying like i thought you were this cute you were so cute yeah. and i just had the biggest crush on you in the 12th grade and i'm like in the 12th grade you like told the whole class that i had more body hair than your dad <laughs> like that did, that's not but now you look back on it you're like i guess that's flirting i don't yeah. i don't know the thing with the popular girls in my situation is i never engaged with them <laughs> I never spoke to them. I stared at them, you know, like every other guy was. See, I had my missed moment. But I don't know. If- we never, we never had conversations. So for the, seriously, for the, for them to know my name was a huge shock. Yeah. And it wasn't like they figured it out because Adam's bringing weed over. They, right. they knew who I was in tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade. I'll wrap it up with these because it, I'll wrap it up with this because it ties into Adam's thing. Um, for me, I always had the personality, and I was kind of that in betweener. Where I, I knew everyone, yeah. but I wasn't really in anyone's social club. Yeah. Uh, but because I was funny and people liked me for the most part, and then they, all the cool kids started to figure out, oh, he's kind of funny. And some of the girls were like, oh, he's kind of cute, I guess. In like a pudgy kind of pasty 
way. Anyways, I, my chance was I don't like lost. the airwalks, but... <laughs> they <laughs> were long gone. <laughs> they could do with a few less Olympic track suits, but other than that, no, it was later... Why does, why does Austin Martin like the Olympics so much? <laughs> <laughs> it was Atlanta! No, but... Um, my 11th grade year, and we should probably wrap this one up. After yeah, we'll tie, we'll tie a bow on it. In my 11th grade year, I was I was kind of riding a wave of like, oh man, like one of the most popular guys in my school, the best football player, was like, hey man, you want me to pick you up for school tomorrow? And I was like, okay, because <laughs> I always rode the bus or got a ride from some like my dad or whatever. This isn't a prank, is it? I, I honestly, I was like. <laughs> I, t- I weighed my options and I was like, yeah. okay, he could like kick me out of the car while it's moving. He could do something fucked up or it could just be like he, but he I'll picked- pack extra clothes <laughs> and two spare sets of underwear. Yeah. I should be covered. This could, yeah. I mean, I, I was like, okay. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, he lives literally ne- right next to the school. He has to come 10 minutes out of the way to pick me up. So this will be a good indicator. Yeah. And next thing you know, we're riding to school like every day. Hmm. He'd pick me up and he was like, you know, Mr. Jock back then, so he'd throw in a Copenhagen. I had never even seen that shit. It, gets, it used to make me want to vomit, just the smell of it. He'd pack a Copenhagen, drive to school, drive totally irrationally, too. Just 7.30 in the morning, driving like it's Dukes of Hazard. Just ridiculous. Yeah. And, he, he, you know, I was like, I'm riding to school. That's the kind of thing where, as an adult, you're like, you're never getting in a car with a teenager. Oh, I've ever. thought about it. Yeah, I'm like, no, 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 no. I will drive you everywhere until I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I was I was riding at school with the most popular guy. I was like, and of course, by extension, when you get out of the, his Tahoe, yeah, with the most popular kid, all those other kids see that, yeah, and they're like, "What the fuck? Like he must be cool now." Is Austin climbing the social ladder? <laughs> Basically, what the fuck? He invited me over. We went to this house party. It's the first time I ever got drunk on. I drank Evan Williams. Got so fucked up. It was the worst experience. I never drank it for years after that. Just the smell yeah. of bourbon would pretty much turn me. That's a fifth piece of advice for us, a son especially, or a daughter, is, like, learn how to drink early. Yeah. Well, at least have an idea, because I had none. I was just yeah. up turning a handle and then turning up a two-liter Coke. With, anyways. But you're asking people with brains that won't be developed for, like, seven more years yeah. to figure shit out. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am. I'm moving up this social strata, and there's an element of, like, this is all coming together for me, you know? <laughs> And then girls are paying me. T- I'm getting rides to basketball games from popular girls, and they're like, they think I'm funny. And one of them like held my hand one night when she was drunk. I go, it's all coming together. I got the job. I got the khakis. It's all coming together. <laughs> and then uh, it all fell apart, and it was pretty funny how it went down because as I'm moving up the social structure, the ladder, as it were, I a letter is found, one of these little class-written, handwritten notes. Oh no! In a pocket of mine. That mentioned a little dope smoking. Mm. And the parentals find it. Oh, no. I'm at a basketball game. Get a call. Need to come home right now. So I have to turn to my popular girlfriend, not girlfriend, but popular girl, and say, Can I, can you drive me home? I know it's not quite (laughs) halftime. But I'm in a world of shit. Yeah, but it's gotten pretty serious. She's like, Sure, she drives me home. I get the whole thing. What grade is this? 11th. Okay. I get the whole, you can never take this back. You can never say no. I haven't smoked weed. Like All of it's just pouring down on me. I'm feeling terrible. I get put it's on in this. writing. Yeah. You're fucked. Yeah. I get put on this like <laughs> month-long um, house arrest, mm-hmm. as it were. 
Two days later, the most popular guy again calls. Hey, man, we're having a party. My dad's lake house. He's not even going to be there. Everyone's going to be there. There's going to be tons of weed. I mean, it wasn't even that. It was like, but it was like. <laughs> I know. He starts, it may reel, as well he starts reeling off the name. It's like, we're all going to be there. And it's just, it is the who's who of our high school. And he's like, we want you to come. It's going to be great. And I was like, this is literally the first time I've been invited to the party. Whatever, you know. I'm picturing you turning into Meadow with your parents. It's like, but mom and dad, everyone's going to be there. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and I, I had, I, I didn't even ask. Yeah. It was like, bother? it was just so funny to think that like I had not even worked hard to get somewhere. And now it's like, I'm at the precipice. Yeah. And I have to be like, I can't come. <laughs> They found out I smoked some weed. My parents found a note. <laughs> they, and that like, I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> they found my diary. <laughs> and I just admitted to the coolest guy in school I write in a diary. <laughs> I smoked weed. It was and they know. And that and that was it. I never I never got another invite. I was just, I, and it wasn't like I, I went from like that precipice down into a deep dark hole. I just never got back to getting as close to that kind you of. See what you did, Tim and Carrie. <laughs> Do you see what you did? This, this shit's is, legal in the majority of the country now. <laughs> this is what happens, Tim and Carrie. <laughs> you see what happens? It kind of I, it I rhymes know, with Larry. So I know you want to wrap it, but I. But since you just told that, I have to share a similar we story. We have to do another one of these. I know, but okay. I, it, it won't make sense. And I'll. It's. It's not that long. We have tequila. I, that's true. I had a similar, similar thing happen. Not, I wasn't climbing the social ladder, but I had two friends. This was sophomore year in high school. I had two friends, and this is you know this is not news to anybody. We we got together after school every Friday and got high as shit mm. in the woods, and then would usually walk to Waffle House. Mm. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes if my buddy uh, Randy had food in the house, we would just go, you know, eat there, and then we'd try and like find his older brother's um, like porno tapes and watch them, and just and ultimately fall asleep. Well, between the three of us, there was one friend um, whose name was Dylan, who for no particular reason decided one day, guys, I'm by, and I'm going to tell my mom. And I'm going to tell her about everything. I don't want to hide anything from her. I feel like I'm not being myself. I want her to know that I'm bi and that I smoke pot sometimes and I'm tired of hiding things. And we both looked at him. This is, you know, 15 year old us like, fuck you. Don't say a goddamn <laughs> thing because if you tell your mom, she's going to know exactly who you're doing it with and it's going to come back to bite us. I swear to God, do not tell your mom that we're doing this. He's like, no, fuck you guys. I'm going to tell her. And then. I'm taking guitar lessons at this age and my mom is driving me to my lessons and she, and it's quiet in the car and she just looks and she goes, I had an interesting conversation with Dylan's mom today. And I was just like, <laughs> she's like, are you, fuck you Dylan. Are you smoking pot with Dylan and Randy in the woods? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Like I, that's that prefrontal cortex not working. Caught right? me off guard here. It's like, well, I'm going to talk to your dad about it, and we're going to have a long conversation tonight. Had that just god-awful, long mom-and-dad conversation. Dad wants to know, is there, is there any in the house right now? I'm like, oh, maybe, probably, <laughs> I think. And, like, so I'm having to go to, like, my stash where everything's hidden and all my, all my uh, paraphernalia and just hand it all over. And, and he's like, you know, 
And he said, what, what was cool is like, you know, when I was a kid, if I screwed up, my dad was always really cool about it. I want to try and do the same. I'm, I'm upset, but I'm not going to yell at you. But obviously you can't hang out with Dylan. <laughs> like, oh, the funniest thing about it was everything that I had, whether it was, a, you know, a glass pipe or weed itself, it was buried in like seven pairs of socks. Oh, yeah. The theory was if you hide it in enough socks, you'll hide the smell. And I'll never forget unraveling all these socks and my dad going, why do you have it in all these socks? It's like, well, it hides the smell. And I just looked at him and he goes, oh, like, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm going to put my socks there. <laughs> and I don't know what he did with it. It was awkward for a little while. And we, you know, but a uh, very similar thing where it's like the parents found out there's no getting around it because fucking Dylan confessed and his little sister was Banks's age and Banks and his little sister had a gymnastics class together and that's when the moms had the our sons are smoking pot together powwow uh, and things changed Banks I just found out that you were in a gymnastics class <laughs> oh he was three it's no excuse <laughs> and it will be revisited <laughs> It was tumbling. It was flips and somersaults. Something something they signed him up it for. It definitely has some effect on who he is today. <laughs> and we're going to revisit that later. But for now, well, well with the with the got caught with the pot talk, we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap it up here on WFUCK. We'll see you guys for episode nine. It's a two for this week because we missed you last week. So I uh, hope you liked this one and all its ridiculousness. And stay tuned for uh, nine. Next one's going to be better. <laughs> More tequila to come. <laughs> Holla. We're out.